Hello, everyone, and welcome to your brand new favorite Packers podcast, the Father-Son Packers podcast. This is episode one. I am here, one of your hosts, Tommy, and I'm here with my co-host, my dad, Matt. Dad, how you doing today? I'm doing well. It's, uh, it's great to join you. Looking forward to talking Packers. Yeah, looking forward to talking Packers. Um, you know, before we start talking Packers today, um, we just want to do a quick couple of shout-outs um, to John Meerdink specifically, um, to Blue58, to thepowersweep.com. And that's because we are here as part of their great generosity of having their Blue 58 podcast scholarship. Um, and they have uh, been so kind as to host a contest for having a new podcast. And we were lucky enough to be chosen. And we just can't thank uh, John and that whole team enough for everything they've done and helping us get set up, giving us tips and tricks and pointers. And um, we just wouldn't be here in this Packers media space without them. So we wanted to give them a shout out. Thanks, John. It yeah. was great to talk to you the other day and go over uh, the ways to um, um, record and set up a podcast. Yeah, and, uh, you know, more smart Packers fans out there, hopefully, after listening to this. Um, <laughs> great. You we know, hope, or or not. <laughs> we hope we are not undoing your um, mantra of making better Packers fans by making, by making smarter, smarter Packers, smarter Packers, Packers fans. fans. Yes. But without further ado, just wanted to say uh, thanks, John, really quick, and uh, let's get into it. Um, first, a couple news and notes from today's practice. Today we are recording Sunday night, August 14th. Um, we're mostly going to be talking about the game on Friday, August 12th. But first, wanted to touch on a few notes because big news, Dad. Uh, Elton Jenkins is back off the pup list. Robert Tunyon is back off the pup list. And Christian Watson is back off the pup list. It was very exciting, and and uh, I was thinking there was a chance that Watson might come off for the pup this week. I'd heard some rumors about that, and there were rumors that Tunyon and Jenkins might be ready by the beginning of the, of the season, but I was uh, only going to believe it when I saw it, so it, it caught me off guard today. Yeah, when I saw the, the Jenkins stuff, I was like, everyone's like, he looks close. I was like, Bakhtiari looked pretty close a lot of times. I'm not getting my hopes up, but it's really good to see him out there, at least in the one-on-ones. And it's nice to see that at least for like Watson's not wearing any kind of sleeve on his knee anymore, mm -hmm. and in, in the in the drills today. And you said about Jenkins. And neither is Tunyon. Tunyon's not wearing Tunyon. any uh, brace and either. Jenkins is wearing a. Sleeve, he's got the same sleeve he's got on. It looked like from the clips I saw. So that's all encouraging that they're able to go through the drills without so much support for the um, repaired knees. So that's and you know, knock on wood. You know, hopefully we'll get to see Watson next preseason game or maybe game uh, preseason game three. Um, probably, probably preseason game three is more likely. And then Elton and Tunyon, you know, we don't need to see you. Just take, right. take it till week one. It's fine. Yep. That's all we're hoping is, um, healthy, healthy bodies for week one. Yep. And, so, and I would just like to mention that Tommy mentioned we're going to be talking about the game that happened Friday. I got, had the, the good luck of going there on Friday in person with, um, my wife, Tommy's mom found tickets. And so I ran out there kind of last minute. And uh, saw the game with there were a few Packers fans around us too, hey. a couple of a couple of love jerseys and Tipa and LA jerseys right in front of me. A Tipa jersey, two that's Tipa rare. Jerseys. Two Tipa, oh, two they Tipa must jerseys. be family they members. Were, they were together side by side. Two Tipa jerseys. That's pretty two cool. Love jerseys in front of me. A few Rogers jerseys, some Matthews jerseys. Okay. Some, uh, hey, Packers Reggie fans, Travel well. They're, good they're stu good stuff. Good stuff. Packers fans and and some just right around me. Go pack, go. We got we got go good go. the best fans in the world, you know. But anyway, those are the main notes from uh, Packers practice today. So without further ado, uh, let's get into the game. 
Um, first thing we wanted to talk about, because before the game started, we had a pretty long inactive list to go through. Um, some highlights off that inactive list, uh, at least that I found interesting, Dad, you can tell me what you thought, was that um, Sammy Watkins was inactive, which I think means he's um, totally on the roster. He's not on the bubble at all. Right, and that's kind of a contrast to Funchess, who many people have compared Watkins to. Last mm -hmm. year, Funchess was active and played in the preseason games. Yep. So it seems like he was clearly playing for a spot, while at least our initial conclusion now is that Watkins already has his spot. Yeah, I think I think Watkins is pretty cemented in that spot, you know, especially with what LaFleur has been saying about him. I know a lot of the beat reporters have said he hasn't exactly flashed uh, in practice, but I think all the signs are pointing to him being firmly on the roster. Um, some other inactives, Dante Vaughn and Ennis Gaines um, seem to be similar to Stanford Samuels and Will Redmond being inactive for the Texans first pre for the first preseason game against the Texans last year. Um, so it seems like those guys are most likely not going to make the team, same to those other two. Um, Daphne uh, had a knee injury and missed practice on either Thursday or Friday. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, but he was inactive for this one and also inactive for week one against the Texans uh, last year, uh, preseason week one. Um, now, and then I th – sorry, go ahead. One question. Now, was Gaines um, still recovering from – Was there was somebody besides Savage who had a hamstring or some kind of injury at family night. Is I'm pulling Gaines up my – Was Gaines recovering from that? He right is still recovering well? from a hamstring injury. That's a good pull. Yep. I had to pull up so, my – my producer had to pull so up that info. <laughs> um, yes, my um, producer had so, to pull up that so info. So I was thinking it could be that – Gaines may not be quite in the Redmond-Samuels boat, though I don't remember what mm. their injury situations were in game preseason game one last year. Yeah, um, but that's a good that's a good note. Ennis Gaines was not practicing, so it's possible that he... But it is, I'm just saying, mostly the parallel is if you miss the first preseason game and you're on that edge of the roster, it is tough to make the roster. And then the last um, inactive that I thought was the most important was Ladarius Hamilton who a lot of people had talked about being in line for that third edge rusher spot, and he missed practice on, uh, I believe he missed practice that week as well, uh, and that's tough for him because he had been looking pretty good in practice apparently, and it's tough because I think that that spot, we'll talk about later a little bit, but I think Enagbare has really, um, is pushing him for that third spot now. Yeah, I thought he and um, Garvin, both mm -hmm. did some nice things um, during the game, and Tipa Nalea as well. Though he got he hurt did get hurt and though di and didn't and uh, wasn't able to play as many snaps. Yeah, so hopefully for you know for Ladarius Hamilton, he can get back soon by that next preseason game because I think he's got some some uh, chance to be that third fourth edge rusher, but he's gonna have to play in the preseason to get that spot. Um, but speaking of Tipa getting hurt, that kind of does lead us into our unfortunate new injuries from this game. According to Matt Schneiman from The Athletic, uh, he tweeted today that Jawan Winfrey with a groin injury, Tipa Naliai with an elbow injury, Kavion Ento with a toe injury, Akil Byers with a toe injury, who was unfortunately in a boot today, which is not great, Dallin Levitt with a shoulder injury, who Matt LaFleur said is going to quote-unquote miss a decent amount of time, it sounds like, Tariq Carpenter had a knee injury, and those were the new DNPs. Anything uh, stick out to you there, Dad? Yeah, I, I missed these during the game, except for the Levitt injury that I saw live, where at first mm -hmm. I was afraid he had a concussion. But you could see in the replay that he actually hit with the shoulder, but then his arm just went limp immediately. Yeah, immediately. So you knew there was something bad with that shoulder. 
I don't, and, and of course, being the Packers, we have no idea how severe most of these injuries are. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, the practice is only two days after the um, the game, so it could just be some of these guys getting a little extra rest, hopefully for most of them. Although it does seem like Levitt, uh, and it's unfortunate because he didn't exactly play very well either. Um, would have been nice to, for him to have a chance to kind of bounce back the next game, but it sounds like he's, he's not going to be ready for that game. It doesn't look like it. Yeah, and um, it's, I would say it's also unfortunate for Naliak because he was getting that start at the edge rusher spot, but um, he got hurt, yeah. and it's, it's, it's tough because he is a right. smaller guy who's, who's having trouble staying healthy. Right, but the interesting thing is you know, everybody's talking about how Tipa's the smaller guy is not going to hold up against the run, but he's actually, um, during his career so far, he's done decent against, against run plays, um, even mm-hmm. though that was not the prediction. But it, well, hopefully the the elbow injury has will not uh, keep him out too long, and we all have a chance to keep competing. Yeah, I think I think it'd be nice. And you know, he's also our our emergency long snapper as of at least as of last uh, last yeah. uh, training camp. He was getting some spot there. And you know, with how some of the long snapping has gone in Green Bay, could it really be that bad if Nalia was just our full time <laughs> long snapper? Snap, how bad snapper. would it be? How bad would it be? Is all I'm saying. Yeah. The other thing to remember that because these players have already been active in training camp, they cannot go on the pup mm-hmm. at the beginning of the yep. season and come back after just four games. Yeah. At this point, anybody who gets a new injury and is out for injury goes on IR um, rather than, than pup. And they're done for the season then at that point if they're on that IR, and right? There are some ways where you can get, like, I think you can still get, like, cut with an injury designation. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. And then anybody can claim the player. And if nobody else does, then you can actually get them back. I remember this came up. Ah, uh, yes, year, came up with Funchess last yeah. year. Or, and so, yeah, last so year. It is, so there is this kind of funny little loophole that if you have a player on IR and you cut them and they clear waivers, then you can get them back and they can be and they can play. There's something. Yeah. It's this like funny little loophole that I don't know all of the details of. Yeah, and I I, I think also hopefully Winfrey's in, injury isn't super major because I think he's really in a dogfight for that seventh wide receiver spot he's and been playing really he's been playing well. he's been playing really well he's been good yeah. in practice he's been good in the he's pretty solid in the game didn't look super explosive but he was getting open yeah and yeah. Uh, fighting for the ball man that 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 tip to himself and then come down that was the play of the game saved saved love uh, as well and uh, really nice really nice play yeah i mean i saw that ball pop in the air and i was like that's a pick that's <laughs> i guarantee that that is not going to a packer yeah, it has never gone to a packer out. before <laughs> I don't know who the defensive back he beat out to us there. I want to say it was Kadar Holman, uh, Packers legend, Kadar Holman. Packers, yes. He was involved in multiple plays. Yes. Um, he, he and Burks. Apparently, Burks and Holman led the Niners in tackles. I saw that. I did see Burks, uh, Burks led the Niners in tackles. You know, he was. I, I heard his name a lot that game. Yes, he was actually... Uh, he looked pretty good. He looked better than he ever did as a Packer. That's all I'm going to say. Um, he was. He was just... You know, um, involved in the ball a lot. So, yeah, and good, I mean, good for him. yeah, good for him. I mean, he always seemed like a nice guy with the Packers, just never could quite catch on here. Um, but I guess those are the main uh, takeaways from the injuries. It's really tough for, uh, especially Winfrey, Nalia, and Levitt, but all these guys, and you know, hopefully they can get back soon. But um, anyway, you want to start digging in the game? Um, so we go through. The- Go through bits of the game. So you want to you want to start? So you want to go on? Uh, well, know, I'm thinking we just touch we got, on special got, teams really quick, just because that's right, so we got, quick. We got the special teams, defense, offense, and defense. Yeah, let's start with defense. 
I, that's such a silly teams. name to me. I understand. <laughs> I understand the idea. It's just very silly to me. Um, so special teams. Um, well, the main takeaway is that Burkic is not good, but you probably already know this because he was cut on Sunday, and so it doesn't we, quite matter that he missed a 32-yarder by about 40 yards. Uh, we didn't sure... record this fast enough yes. to beat Burkic getting cut. No, I, we were going to never... talk about Burkic. I was going to be like, you know, does it really matter how bad the misses are if he only missed one? It did. He is out. He is gone. <laughs> But also with an injury designation. But still, yeah, that was. Oh, it was with an injury dex- designation. Yeah, Lafleur said he has uh, he hurt his hamstring in warmups or something. Yes, and in order to replace him, they have signed Ramiz Ahmed. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, who has previously kicked in the USFL, if I'm not mistaken. Um, apparently, yeah, so just based on some like beat. Sixty some yarder this season. I'll take really your word long. for it. Um, but according to uh, at least, I think it was Andy Herman, he said the ball popped off his foot a lot better than Burkic's did. That could just be some some light confirmation bias. But, you know, um, it's it's good to get another guy in there because it, it definitely seemed like Burkic was not going to be the guy. Um, beyond that, I thought O'Donnell didn't look too bad, but his two punts netted only 42 and 39 yards, respectively, in good weather. So that's not great. Um, and those stats are from ESPN. Um, I did think his holding was pretty good, though. There were a couple high snaps that he got down pretty well, and he wasn't an active impediment to the process like Bojo was last year. I think all of the holds seemed clean. I was looking at them and taking notes, and I think only like there's one snap that was right on target, two that were more like head high that he was able mm-hmm. to get down, of the ones that I that I that I looked at. So I think he was doing a good job of getting the ball in place and in rhythm. And then the the punts, the other thing I'd say about the punts is he was kind of pinning on the sideline to reduce yep. the uh, the chance for long returns. And the returns were all, you know, in the like three to eight yard range. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. think the second yard. return was a, it was a 46 yard punt with a seven yard return is what I had down. Okay. Um, so I think that's you're, that's a good point about the directional punting though. They were all to the sideline, which is is a nice um, just add on there that they, he was doing that at least. Yeah, so that that I think was a was a plus as well on the punting. Though he wasn't he didn't boom anything, but he also didn't shank anything. That and that is the beautiful standard that you hope for for Green Bay Packers punting and special teams. We will take anything at this point well, as long as it's con- not like the, last year the the lack of shanks will continue throughout the season into the, the into shanks the, will continue until cold, morale until improves morale, morale improves yes, yes. we have no more of that in the cold winter cold uh, oh, months now. goodness yeah besides beyond that uh, i thought the returns looked pretty good i thought amari looked better than gafford but um we'll touch on amari a little bit later uh anything else you got on we fence well you want to you want to talk about um, Amari's big return. Amari's um, big return, only to get leveled by Rashawn Gary on the sideline, put was, right was, on his that, butt. That might have been the biggest hit of the game. That was that one, or Hufanga's on uh, Goodson's was a oh, pretty uh, nasty was, pop. There were there were two times that Goodson got got flattened. And, yeah, uh, I, and the, I know the Goodson Niner was fouls, looking at the Niner, Niner fans, fans like that. I'm sure around me were super excited. I bet. And I was like, yeah, it's like you could tell what I think for Goodson. Both times, at least one of them, he's like slowing down to look for a cut, so he loses his momentum. I thought he was so, slowing down to look at why on earth Tyler Davis didn't block Hufanga. That's well, what I thought he was that's, looking that's at. That's one of those plays, but he's like looking to make a cut, 
And so he's no longer got his forward momentum to meet the defender's forward momentum. Mm-hmm. And so he just gets knocked back on his butt. And, you know, we can talk about Goodson a little bit later for the offense, but I yeah, do think we'll he um, I think he could be a little more decisive, but I liked what I saw. But, yeah, that Amari okay. Rogers return was really nice. You know, he looks, a, he looks a lot better. He looks a lot more explosive this year. Yeah, what you can see, he, he reverses field and then goes around. And what, when you're watching the return as he's moving up field, he is actually running past the coverage. Mm-hmm. He is speeding past the opposing players. So it looks like he definitely has more burst. He looks um, faster. He looks year, so right? much he's, faster. Right, and you can compare like he's actually running by players. Um, yeah, and I think uh, Vernon Scott, I think it was, had a had a decent block on that. It wasn't great blocking on the return. A lot of it was actually Amari, which is it's nice to see for him. Um, but I do think Vernon Scott did a decent job um, springing him. But anyway, um, that's Weefence. That's that's all I got for that. Um, so now we're going to go to our uh, offensive uh, takes. And one of our segments that we're going to try and make a regular segment is Interesting Stats uh, with Tommy and Matt. And that almost rhymed. Uh, so I'm going to handle an, a stat that I found interesting for the offense. And then my dad is going to handle a stat that he found interesting for the defense. And we're hoping to kind of do a little bit more, use this as a bit of a more of a deep dive into some interesting things and trends that uh, we found interesting. Kind of nerd out a little bit on some numbers. You know, just that great podcast numbers content that you're really here for just very engaging if you're not i mean we're hoping to attract as much nerddom as we can oh yes there will be plenty of lord of the rings uh quotes and movie quotes and references that 20 percent of this audience will understand it's great it's great um but anyway to start off uh with our interesting stats section i'm going to talk a little bit about the man of the hour romeo dobbs the future Hall of Famer, as reported by Justice Mosqueda. That was a good scoop he got there. Um, but, right. you know... Getting fitted for his jacket already. Getting fitted for his jacket already. That MS Paint uh, Photoshop is one of my favorite things on the internet right now. Um, but, you know, at first glance, uh, three catches for 45 yards and a touchdown. Pretty solid day. I did, did have a like a drop, a drop and a half, I would say. Um, you can go back and check those highlights there on YouTube. Um, but I wanted to talk about how he had the game-high seven targets on just 28 snaps. And the reason I wanted to talk about that was because targets, in my mind, are you getting open. You have beaten your man. And the fact that he only had three for 45 and a touchdown is, you know, you'd like to be a little more efficient with those targets. But let's talk a little bit about those seven targets, and he only played 28 snaps. So no one else for either team had more than four targets, just as a note, just as like a little baseline to think about. So seven targets on 28 snaps, 25% of the time, he was on the field. They were throwing the ball to him. Now, if you want to look at this and compare it to some other rookies, I'm just going to tell you right now, he is blowing them all out of the water. Let's look at some other fourth rounders. Just, you know, guys that were drafted around his, around his, his uh, draft slot. Ekuzanma for the Dolphins was drafted in the fourth round. He had 19 snaps, and he had three targets and two catches, and no snaps with the starters. Another fourth-rounder, Calvin Austin, unfortunately didn't play due to injury. So there's kind of your baseline for what a fourth-rounder would normally do. Play with the backups, get three targets on 19 snaps. That's like about a, ask my producer for the math, a 15% um, like targets on, per snap basis. That's, that's what a basic fourth-rounder would do. Now let's look at what the first-round rookies did. I'm not going to talk too much about Drake London because he got hurt, unfortunately. Hopefully he'll be okay. We're going to yeah, skip that one. I haven't heard how severe that is. But yeah, it didn't look great, 
but you know, fingers crossed. Um, so let's go straight to Olave. He had 15 snaps and one target. Garrett Wilson, 15 snaps, three targets. Jahan Dotson, 22 snaps, zero targets. Traylon Burks, 30 snaps, one target. Those are first rounders, guys. And just to shout out, that's John Hendricks on Twitter, Jeff McLean on Twitter, PFF, and Ben Arthur on Twitter for those snap numbers. But those are first rounders that are doing nothing near what Dobbs is doing right now in terms of getting open and earning targets. Targets are an earned stat. Those are based solely on your talent at route running. Now let's look at some second round rookies. Wandale Robinson, 14 snaps, zero targets. Thanks at NYG News 1 on Twitter. Pickens, 21 snaps, five targets. That He's one guy that a lot of people have been talking about at camp, talking about why didn't they draft Pickens in the second round. Um, I know some other Packers podcasts that were really high on Pickens. That was via at Steelers Depot, by the way. Um, so he had a really nice one, but even that isn't the same target to snap share as Dobbs. It's not even quite there. And he was drafted two whole rounds before. Tyquan and Thornton. I would, and I would say that of, of all of the other receivers, um, like Dobbs and Pickens are getting the most buzz. Easily. the rookie receivers by far. Easily the most Dobbs. And I know that they easily the most buzz. And sorry, you know, just a little little Freudian most, slip most with the dubs. Who, yes. the most dubs? Who's the most dubs <laughs> like? Dobbs, uh, of course. But you go down the list. Tyquan Thornton, 22 snaps, two targets at Pat's cap. Alec Pierce, 32 snaps, three targets. Kevin Hickey from Colts Wire. Sky Moore, 27 snaps, three targets at Matt Derrick on Twitter. You just go down this list. Um, Jalen Tolbert, 40 snaps, seven targets. He was the only one with as many targets as Dobbs, but he played. 12 more snaps. He had that many more opportunities to get targets. Matt Owen from Cowboys Wire. Thank you. Um, you just look down this list, and no one else is... If you think of getting open as targets per, per snap, no one else is doing what Dobbs does. The, those kind of numbers, and I understand that it is preseason, but those targeting on getting targeted on 25% of snaps is rare. Adams, Devontae Adams, I did the, did the analysis on this, has hit this mark only nine times in his entire career. And that's Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams will have a gold jacket when he decides to hang it up. He has been the best receiver in the league for three years. He only did this t two times last year He did when he was getting easily the most targeted receiver in the league. He was getting, he did it versus San Francisco in week three and Cincinnati in week five when he had set his career high for yards. Those are the only times where he had at least 28 target or 28 snaps and had 25% of the tar uh, of targets per snap. So, if we're looking at that kind of like information and that kind of metric, I think it is fair to be very excited about Romeo Dobbs. And I know it's like hype season and everyone's super excited about the rookie every year. I know um, someone on NFL Network, I can't remember, was it was very funny. They were talking about if Romeo Dobbs was real or fake. Um, and they were pulling up... Um, they were like pulling up old Packers um, training camp reports. It was like Jared Aberderis in line for a big role. Uh, Jeff Janis in line for a big role. Jake Kumaro in line for a big yeah. role. It's like all these guys down the line. They're like, why should this I be any this different? A, I can't remember if this was Schrager or uh, Brandt mm -hmm. who uh, was pulling that up. It might have been McCordy also. I'm not 100% oh, okay. sure. I think it was good morning football though. Um, but just just because it hasn't worked out before no i don't think any other of those receivers would be capable of doing what romeo dobbs has done this early and i think that these numbers in terms of getting that many targets on 28 snaps and only 15 of those snaps where he ran a route by the way um so if you look at target share per route run it's almost 50 percent, which is absurd um but you can look at 
other rookies. You can look at really good players, and they're not doing this or not doing it very often. And so I think that it is very fair to be excited about Romeo Dobbs going forward. What do you think about that, Dad? I think it's great. I know I was watching um, the play from the from the end zone, and so I could see the the long touchdown bomb was running away from me, so I could see him break it open and the ball come in. But what you could see there is just like three plays, just a few plays earlier, he did the exact same thing. He burned the corner and is running downfield, but the but Love's throw was too far to the inside, and so he couldn't he couldn't get it. But they mm-hmm. were able to get it, and those were two different corners. He burned um, more and. Tarverius Moore was the one he burned for the touchdown. For the touchdown, and he burned Holman a couple snaps before, where he was, you know, had him stacked and was had him beat downfield for a touchdown if the ball was on target. So, and it, you know, not only did he have those, you know, the catches, but he also had you know, other other opportunities that were missed. Of course, then then of course, then of course that it wasn't all perfect. You know, he had of course, the, yep. the drop on the cutter across, but he like broke wide open. Ball was a little on his hip behind him. Should have had it for a nice, nice, uh, easy game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the one near the sideline honestly might have been, could have been one of Jordan Love's best plays of the game, um, just as Jordan Love rolled out oh, of the pocket right, going the wrong way. to his left. Yep, it's, and it was a nice ball on the run. Rotate, rotate um, his torso to throw the ball. To and Dobbs. I think Dobbs would tell you he's he's got to catch that. But, you know, yep. it's the first preseason game. It's not all going to be perfect. All I know is I am very excited about him, and I think that, you know, Maybe not sky's the limit, but I think that he's going to be a really, at least a really good contributor in year one, and maybe even more going forward. And especially just thinking about the value they got in the fourth round picking him there, I am oh, over was, the moon excited. I was really excited about the Packers fourth round. They're the two fourth round picks. Him and Tom. Tom and Dobbs are two of my oh yeah um, draft crushes. So I, I nerd out on a lot of mock drafts. And I was taking Zach, Tom, and Dobbs anytime. Every single one. Every time they were still there in the fourth, I picked them. And sometimes I was picking Tom as early as the third. I was taking Enigbari as early as the third. And he fell to the fifth. <laughs> I, they had a great draft, I think. We'll, I mean, time will, only time, time will tell. tell. But, time will tell, but uh, yeah. You know, early returns are pretty good. Um, but, yeah, so that's my interesting stat for offense. Um, and then do you want to just touch on a couple other things we found interesting on offense before we move to your uh, interesting defensive stat? Any, like, quick hitters you want for the offense? So quick things I'd like to say about the offense. So I was watching the offensive line quite a bit, and I felt, in general, the pass protection was pretty good. There was mm-hmm. a play on a stunt where Tom and Royce Newman didn't communicate on who was going to take who, but actually um, Jake Hansen rescued. Cleaned it up. Cleaned, cleaned it up as the guy stunted around to the inside. Um, Hanson turned it and, and took the, the pass rusher mm. for, for a play that ended up being successful. And, you know, it is a little concerning that Newman is still struggling with stunts. But yes. something, something that is very um, just a little stat to throw in because you're talking about the pass protection, and I'll throw it right back to you. But uh, according to PFF, the Packers had five different offensive linemen finish with 80-plus initial grades in pass protection. That's Hanson, Runyon, Myers, Sean Ryan and Cole Van Lannen all had an over an 80.0 um, grade in pass protection. So you know that's that's yeah. to very good. That's a very good grade. Right. So I, and just my own my, to my own eye, that was the same. Like almost all the dropback passes they had, it was well protected. He was able to set up, hit the hit the, the, the top of his drop, and deliver the pass with, mm-hmm. with good pass pro. Their run blocking was not as sharp. Yeah. They particularly struggled. 
in short yardage. Short yardage. They got a little lucky with the fourth down conversions. Yes, they got they got stuffed trying to run up the middle in short yards most of the time. I so I think the the offensive line I think had better push in the second Mm -hmm. half with Tom at at uh, tackle and then Newman. Can we wait? Can we talk about Tom getting pushed though? Because that was the the question mark was can Tom get pushed and he's he's out there getting pushed. That's exactly what I was going to segue to because his his knock was supposed to be his power and Mm -hmm. and his ability to do dry blocking in the run game and that he couldn't push downfield. They were like he's not big enough. But his his plus is being incredibly nimble, very you know super high athletic scores across the board. Um, both for agility and for mm-hmm. speed and, and great first. pass blocking grades and his and his pass blocking grades are great both not only um during the season but he also scored very well at the senior bowl in the one in the pass drills um as mm-hmm. well as do how well he did um in the senior well i guess throughout not just the senior year but he gave a very few pressures handled even uh first round graded um edge rushers Mm-hmm. So the the fact that he looks to be showing something in the run blocking is very encouraging. Yeah, we're actually, we're team Zach Tom now. Zach Tom should <laughs> should start if if Bakhtiari or if they need a tackle to start besides Royce Newman. If it's if it's Hanson and Newman or Newman and Tom, I would much rather take Newman and Tom right now. But right now it's looking like it could be um, Newman and Hanson, or well, sorry, uh, Hanson and Tom. And that that the starting tackles are going to be at least maybe Jenkins and Nyman. Maybe. Yeah, I was. Uh, that this will. We could talk about the O line forever, but I I do think all those those yeah, hits are but, are pretty good. The, yeah, the the thing that I really noticed is the 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 difference between how well they are pass blocking versus run blocking. There were I felt like the run blocking got better later, but that may have also something to do with the quality of the Niners front mm-hmm. at that point. So it's hard to disentangle at this point. But they did open a few holes. I thought. Goodson, I really yes. like the way Goodson, Goodson looked. looked good. And just to just to piggyback off of that, um, I think he looked good, pun intended. But he, I think he might be even better than people think. Because if you look at what, like everyone is very high on Kylan Hill. Understandably, I think most of that is because they took him in the seventh and he was graded out as like a fifth round prospect. A lot of people had him there. And so the steal, the idea of the steal of the draft, steal from the draft is still lingering there. But if you look at what Goodson did compared to what Kylan Hill did in his first preseason game, Goodson had 12 carries for 37 yards. Hill had five carries for negative two yards in his first preseason game versus the Texans. And all of this is with the caveat that Goodson had more work, he had more carries, he had more work with a good O-line. But then you look at Hill had one catch for 22 yards and a touchdown, and that was the that was the high point where everyone was like, wow, Hill can really play. But then you look at Goodson, he, he had two catches for 24 yards, but one of those was for 23 yards. And so when you think about it, really, the only difference was Hill was closer to the end zone. Uh, yeah, like that, that's the only that, real difference. <laughs> I do remember that play because that was a nice. It was when we saw. Oh, Hill! Really, I think Hill is very good, but I just think that Goodson could push him for that three spot. The pylon by yeah. Hill to make yeah. that score and a great lead block by Myers mm-hmm. pulling out yep. um, to to lead him to the end zone there. So that was and, really, I remember that and, play. Was really you know, I, but Goodson looked very natural catching the ball, turning up field after he catched it and, and, uh, and breaking. Fi- um, you know. Changing direction, jump. He cuts. looked explosive. He looks fast. Like you said, he is now the second fastest player on the Packers offense, um, behind only Christian Watson, I believe. By forty time at least. Yeah, by forty um, time at so, least. By, so by forty time he's got the, the second fastest forty on offense. 
Mm-hmm. On yeah. The team. And we don't want to spend too yeah, much time no, on offense because we got that Dobbs plays faster than his forty. Uh, yeah, I mean a lot. Of, uh, it's true. I think I think the forty time. I think a lot of people know now. It's not a perfect measurement. But anyway, we could spend a lot of time on offense, but we want to move on to defense now so we can get your interesting stats. The only thing I wanted to add was we did say we'd talk about Amari a little bit. I thought he looked very explosive with the ball in his hands, but he never really got open as a receiver, which I do think is a bit of a pump the brake situation where all of his work was done with little gadgety design plays for him to get the ball in space, which is fine. But the thing is, I think we need to keep in mind that I think that they should focus on that for this year. They should try and get him those end arounds. He looked good on the end around. They should try and get him those little leak things. I he, Him not getting open as a receiver isn't great to me. I just think that should be just acknowledged. But I think that they should focus on getting him these little design touches more in the regular season because he looked good with them. But just keep in mind, he didn't really yeah. get open as a receiver, and he played almost the whole game. Right. I was a little surprised actually to see him so late in the uh, in the game in the second half. There, yep. but he had the, the nice end around. Um, he had the the nice the nice pass out in the flat where he jukes. Yep, got and, the touchdown. And got the touchdown. Um, and I, I thought in general his uh, his speed is looking better. Mm-hmm. And then another couple quick hitters. Tyler Davis was really bad. Deguara was good though. Um, Packers have Deguara a glut. Was Deguara really was really blocking good. well. His blocking yeah. out of the, and Amari Rogers blocking was... was also iffy. Just as a little note yes, there. So but yes, Deguara. Yes, but so was Dobbs. Yeah, so is Dobbs. And, but, and so is Davis. And that he's supposed to be like the second best blocker of the tight ends, but he was not blocking that well. He missed on several cut several of actually the stuffs, I should say. Were Davis. On the short fault. short lineage, the short the short yardage runs were yeah. actually failed blocks on the wings by by so Davis or or a receiver Davis. as well. Winfrey and um, Amari and, missed and that, one together one time defender too. Defender was diving in from the the outside to hit the runner in the backfield was is, was as much of a problem as the lack of push Yeah, for those but, short yardage runs. And then quick hits. I mean, everyone's talking about Jordan Love. I thought he was fine. I mean, you can listen to a lot of podcasts that will really go into what he's, what he's going to do, but I don't think he's going to have that much, hopefully, knock on wood, have that much impact on this year's Packers, so I feel like it's pointless. You'll see what you want to see with him. He's yeah. okay. Um, and the but Packers I, have a glut of, well, he's to... decent receivers. Yeah, so that's the thing is that they're all – and this is the, the question everybody says about adding receivers. Are you At this point, you don't want to add a receiver who is going to be really top line. Because mm-hmm. they've got a lot of receivers in, in terms of the same level. Yeah. But anyway, let's move on to the defense because we know we're taking a lot of time right now. And, Dad, what's your interesting stat for the defense? So we've been talking for – well, everybody's been talking for years about how you – know, get Kenny help, get Kenny help. And so now we finally have gotten Kenny help. And I think a number of, uh, you know, and we weren't even playing with our our, our top linemen. There was like no Kenny, of course, no Lowry, no Reed, no Wyatt because of the concussion. Mm -hmm. So we were without, what, four of our top five D linemen. And they were still making plays. Oh, yeah. uh, Yeah, TJ Slayton looked good, pushing up. Heflin made a number of nice plays against the run. I thought Chris Slayton looked pretty Chris, solid. Chris a little Slayton looked up and down, solid. but looked pretty good with the ups. They're, they're right. There's sometimes where he got in the backfield, sometimes where he got got pushed back or, or went a little. <laughs> sometimes bit too far he got. He, uh, you ever seen the Blind Side where the guy playing Michael Orr blocks the the D lineman straight through the end zone and into the stands? <laughs> looked like that a couple times. But you know, for every one of those, he was in the backfield and he had led the team with sack or with in tackles. Ah. But I, but I felt like, so 
Um, Ford, I felt he was had a little more trouble holding the point of attack. Mm-hmm. Um, he was getting pushed back a little bit more. Um, I thought yeah. uh, I thought Slayton and Heflin both looked better than he did. Yep. Um, Byers, I didn't really notice that much. Me either. Um, though I though I know he was in there. Um, so so but one thing I wanted to talk about. So it looks like we got even in the deep depth. Like got like um, even Heflin is looking like he can make some plays. Um, so I, I decided to go a little deeper dive on this notion of how does it actually help? How much does it contribute to your overall defense to have um, better depth in the D-line? So what I did is I, I kind of broke down last season um, the top five defensive linemen for all 32 teams in the NFL. Um, in this case, using their PFF grades to rate the individual players for how good they were. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can take that with whatever size grain of salt. You yeah, however much you want to trust PFF. It's depending just a tool at the end of, of the day. Depending of your, on your opinion of yeah. PFF. It is just um, a tool where, at the end of the day, but it's, it's useful. Their stats, are, their right, stats can so be useful. Their stats can be useful. It's a good way to compare players with a uniform system. Um, and on a on a play by play basis, so then I so I, I picked out those and so I then ranked the teams based on the quality of their second best through fifth best defensive linemen. So eliminate not counting the contri- contribution of the, like their their stud their best player in this mm-hmm. case yep. for, for us Kenny makes sense and also the 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 ranking of the teams based on just their third through fifth best players. So mm-hmm. not including the top, the two. top two players. So the sort of the contribution of the deeper, de- the, the further down depth and, and how much that actually contributes to your win. So, and then I use that to kind of get a ranking for how good different teams defensive line depth was. And then I was, I tried to compare that to the overall defensive performance in this mm-hmm. case, using DVOA from Football Outsiders, which is a metric for measuring the performance of the defense adjusted for the strength of schedule, so the, mm-hmm. how good the offenses are that they're playing. Yep. And, and what I found is that you do get – and so that, then it's kind of as a quick check because I was doing this just this afternoon. I looked at the sort of the, the median um, DVOA ranking – for the um, top 10 teams based on player, individual player um, r- ranking, and, compa- and then compare those top 10 to the, the sort of the worst 10 in individual players. And what we f- so the, the 10 best player units based on the individual players compared mm-hmm. to the bottom 10 units of individual players. How well did the, the overall defense? What we found is that there's an, an improvement of about five to six um, spots in the ranking. So, mm-hmm. in, and that's based like, on improving based on your your bucket. In, so that's improving in DVOA. So mm-hmm. the okay. if you take the the ten best the teams with the ten best we'll call them rosters the the teams with the the ten best deep bench. Versus the team with the ten worst deep bench, the ten the teams with the ten best D line bench um, had a median um, ranking for the whole defense of like thirteen. 
while the teams with the worst D-line depth had an overall DVOA of 18 on average. Mm-hmm. So it was like a, an improvement of five spots by having better depth in your D-line. Yeah, and Regardless you know, they always talk good... about how it's really good to rotate those D-linemen. Right. And so I get the benefit of them being better rested. And so mm-hmm. this, isn't, this isn't even considering how good that number one stud was yep. or how good the secondary or the linebackers are behind them. This was just yeah, this... isolated just for this subset of the D-line, not even the whole D-line. And it is going to be so nice having decent backup D linemen because I don't know about you, but I, if Kenny ever misses games, at least in the past, and probably still, honestly, but I would just be like, okay, we're going to get run on for 200 yards, and hopefully we can score 40 points before they do. Well, it's not just that. I, I feel like you remember um, if you compared the 2019 seasons by Preston and Zedarius mm-hmm. and how they didn't do as well in 2020. Yep. 2020 is the year that Kenny was um, playing through that groin pull. Mm -hmm. And so his play, I think when his play goes down, the entire defensive front goes down. He is the tide that raises all boats. And, 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 but now I'm hoping that that's not going to be the case that everybody will be playing well beside him. Mm -hmm. And and he won't be that, you know, without him, everything falls apart. And I also think that we'll begin to see, Kenny play, and it's been, and we've seen it in some practice, playing more three-tech and less on yep. the nose. Especially with TJ Slayton playing, playing as well as he has been. Give him some nose yes. reps. And so that frees Kenny to use his upfield burst to get in the backfield yep. without worrying about exposing one of the two gaps for a run because the two-gap responsibility of the nose can be taken by either Slayton or Reed and Kenny can go hunt the quarterback more. And I'm sure Kenny will be happy to not have to do two people's job on every run play. Because right. it definitely felt like he was blocking, he was, he was set up with three blockers on him on some of these plays, where it's just like they did not respect the D-lineman next to him for a lot of these plays in the past. Yep, so that, that was sort of my little kind of dive on um, contribution of the the the. the the deeper yeah. parts of the D-line to overall defense defensive performance. So as a follow-up, what are you thinking for the Packers' deeper like part of that D-line right now? Who are you thinking is going to get those spots? So I've been making my own. I, I've, I've done my own uh, 53 prediction, which I'm now I'm maybe about to do uh, iteration three. Mm-hmm. But mostly I've been keeping... Um, six defensive linemen, Kenny, Lowry, Wyatt, Reed, Slayton, and I had been putting Ford in there as the sixth. Yep, we've talked about this Ford versus Heflin thing before. It's but it's going to be a tight watching, race. After watching this game, Heflin is better. Thinking, I'm thinking Heflin. Heflin hey, played. that's that's our trash can full of dirt. And if you guys haven't, if you guys haven't heard that before, apparently that is what a scout wrote about him, which is a good thing because it means he's hard to move. Yeah, yeah. So that after what after watching this game, Heflin definitely showed more so far. And you, you know, know so that I, was I a pretty say, fast that was a pretty fast trash can full of dirt movement out there. Like he was actually getting he looked like he had some more juice than he did last year. He was making some plays. He was getting held on plays. Yep, still trying to make plays. He was out there but, yeah. chasing down quarterbacks on PA rollouts, and I was like. That's not an edge rusher. That man is 300 pounds. 
Yep. So it was it was looking good, and so we'll yeah. see. You know, of course, all of, some of these like competitions are you know a moment in time. Yeah. It is like right now. I would say after that, Heflin looks ahead, but there are still a lot of training camp and two more preseason. Two games. more games, and you know, it's just so nice we'll to have the depth and to have that little bit of cushion from injury. Yeah, and I think that you know if Heflin is on the fifty-three, then Ford is likely going to be on the practice squad. Yeah, I'm, I'm leaning with... towards all all four of the seventh rounders being on the practice squad. Is what I'm looking. It's what it's looking like to me. Yeah, I'd heard some things about Carpenter struggling with coverage in camp. He did a nice job actually of uh, holding up in the run, and then and then coming across the tackles like on the edge and a kind of play or two. Yeah, I did think he his tackles did leave a little bit to be desired for me. I felt like he kind of let the guys get a few extra yards each time. But you know, uh, unfortunately, he's dealing with a knee injury now, as we said earlier. Um, but, you know, hopefully uh, he'll bounce back from yeah, that. Yeah, we don't and... know what that is, whether that's just, you know, like a, yeah. a bruise or, you know, what what the story is on that one. But, yeah, so, um, yeah, that's – I think I think that what you found about um, – how many spots in DVOA was the, the bottom depth worth again? I would say it was – it's about five spots. See, that's um, that's huge. Difference between, difference between 10th and 15th, 13th and 18th, like that's a big difference. Yeah. And if you if you uh, narrow it down even more, you can see even bigger differences. Uh, mm-hmm. But then you start getting into more noise because you're sampling fewer teams to put into the average. So exactly. it would be the kind of thing you would want to do over like a 10-year span. And then you could really look at the uh, extremes and see how, how well they hold out over a longer period of time. But Something for a lo- slightly longer homework assignment. <laughs> yes, I didn't have <laughs> enough time to complete that homework assignment this week. Yeah, um, and, but um, and then so going back to defense, you know, we're yeah, some quick hitters on defense, and because that, there's so much defense. to talk about on defense. Um, edge rusher three, four, oh, yes. five. Let's start and there. Seems, and, and people talk about are we going to have four or five? Well, Lafleur himself, I think, said we know who one and two are, but we don't know who three through five are going to mm, be. I missed that. That's a good. So that's a good actually, uh, check. That was a quote of his. So I, I'm expecting five. I'm now now I'm expecting five, and it seems like well, oh yeah obviously one and two are set that's Gary and Preston, um, you know after watching that game, um I feel like three should be Enigbare and four should be Garvin and five should be Hamilton personally that's where I'm sitting right now I just want to touch on Enigbare really quick because I was really impressed with him he was one of my darlings of the draft coming out of South Carolina, um. You know, I think it was, I can't remember which Packers reporter it was on Twitter, but was saying that he's not a shorts guy. He wasn't a shorts guy in camp, and he wasn't a shorts guy in the the combine, combine. process. But he is a gamer. He has got that dog in him. And he is not, he is not. You um, know those little x-ray memes of the dog in the, the, the x-ray? You know what I'm talking about? The ones you see on Twitter with the, the they just like show like an X-ray and it's just like they Photoshop a dog into like where the chest is and it's like he got that dog in him. Oh, um, oh. But, but anyway, he got that dog yeah. in him. Right. Um, so un- underwear Olympics are not his thing. No. But although apparently he followed up his really nice practice, uh, really nice game on Friday with a very strong practice on uh, today on Sunday as we're recording, um, he had. Uh, three pressures on Rodgers in the two-minute drill and uh, one sack, according to uh, reporters um, that were beat reporters that were at practice today, which is a very exciting um, thing that he's going to be able, hopefully, able to stack those successes. But you know, he had two quarterback hits, a sack, a tackle for loss. Um, do you know, quick, uh, quick little quiz? Uh, what was the last player to have two quarterback hits in a preseason game for the Packers? It's not that long ago. Although it's a guy that I actually thought was a 
Uh, I don't think he. I think he got hurt last year before the season. But I was kind of excited for him. Randy Ramsey? No, nah, it's Chauncey Rivers. Oh, Chauncey Rivers. Okay. Yes, in uh, the last preseason game last year versus the Bills. Oh, in the last preseason game. But yeah, so yeah, I would say you one thing you see for Enigbari is, is what, he seems to be winning mostly with power. Yep, and um, you know, and he that's likes okay. to do like the stiff arm and the bull or the bull rush to uh, push his way to the backfield, which is you can see the kind of thing that's not going to show up in a lot of mm-hmm. without pads low, on low contact um, drills, with, like without pads. So you really need to get when you want to see how much somebody either rises to the top or fades when it becomes more physical. You really can only see that um, in game reps, in, in, in game reps, or perhaps in the competitive practices next week against the Saints. Yeah, and you know you don't he, see it so much in like partial like helmets and, shul- and shoulder pads. But yeah, I thought he showed really good power. I thought he showed really good hustle. There were several plays where he was tracking back to the runner. He was fighting through two blocks to get to the quarterback on one of his um, quarterback hits. He was moving like I thought he looked great. And then I, um, I thought that uh, Garvin looked pretty good. Um, he had he had yeah, some solid I reps out there. Yeah, Garvin made a number of good plays, setting the edge and uh, and uh, pushing back the. Uh, I have to go back and look at the individual play notes that. Yeah, and made, the thing but, about uh, Garvin and looked good. The thing about uh, Garvin and Enigbari especially is. The fact that they, I feel like Garvin is better than he gets than his rep. I think he's actually a pretty solid player. But um, Enigbare, uh, with his power, was showing a lot of good stuff in the run game too. There was one play in the, I think it was in the start of the second half, um, where they the Niners tried to run a little outside run to the left, and it was a really nice play by honestly everyone on the defense. But Enigbare did a really nice job setting the edge on that one. Yeah, there's a couple of plays where he did that, and I think that. Um... And Garvin also said it. I said, you know, the thing I, I like to remember about Garvin, he's still really young. Mm-hmm. He came out quite. He, he had great testing, and was young. And I think it's worth giving him a little more time to see what he can develop into with, with uh, that combination. Yeah. Um, just going down, what else I had for the defense? I think safety depth is a problem. Um, I think unfortunately um, Levitt got hurt, but before he got hurt, he was bad. Um, and hopefully, yeah. you know, he's able to come back, but he, he did not have a good game. Uh, he was beat really badly on the first touchdown for the Niners. Um, to Danny was... Gray, he just didn't look fast enough and looked he's slow. Not, I mean, Gray yeah. has got four three three speed. To be fair, he's, Gray is very fast, yeah. He might be the fastest receiver on that team. So it was yes. just a bad matchup for him. It, with no help, because he's there at the safety. He needed, if he's good, he's sh- really, you shouldn't be having most safeties on him with no help behind Mm-hmm. Um, covering Danny Gray. He pretty much had no chance. You could see that he's like five yards behind him already by the time that ball's in the air. Um, he was just burnt so quickly. And then there was the other play and the other long touchdown. It might have been know. his fault, but it sounded like LaFleur said it was not his fault. Right. It was hard to tell. Um, you know, Gafford gets turned around, juked, and falls over. Yeah, the sniper and, but, The sniper got him on that one. The turf monster came up and, the turf monster but, came up and grabbed his legs. But there was zero safety help over the top. Yeah. They both are actually moving towards the line of scrimmage. But I don't know if you as... caught it when Lafleur was asked about that one. He said, yeah, um, he was saying, because they asked him about that touchdown, getting beat a couple times, and he said, yeah, it looked like our corner fell down on that one, so, you know, that's one of those unfortunate things. So it sounds like he thought that Levitt played it all right. Um, I know some people on Twitter were saying he probably should have played it top down. 
um, which means from like the deeper routes to the shorter routes. But it sounds like Lafleur. That's the way that he played. It was how Lafleur wanted him to play it, and that it was mostly a product of Gafford falling down. Yeah, but now Gafford is you know, got who knows how long he's been out with that shoulder injury. We you mean uh, Levitt? Sorry, Levitt. I mean, yeah. we don't know how long Levitt's going to be out. Uh, it sounds like it's not injury. great. It sounds like it's going to be a while. So if we look at about our, our safety depth, you know, we got. I think Vernon Scott looked okay. I didn't notice him, which you know, that's right. that's that's good okay. enough. That's good um, enough. And then and then Sean Davis didn't notice him at all was, either. Was he inactive? Really. No, I think he. I'm pretty sure he played. Okay, I have to I have to go back and look at my notes to look at the game again. But the um, and then for the so the safety depth and and Gaines didn't play because because he was I think with got. Still recovering from the hamstring. Sean Davis played. He did play, okay. Yes, he did. I, I, I didn't notice him, which is good so and bad. I have to say, I didn't notice him. Yeah. You know who else I didn't notice? I did not notice Quay Walker. But, you know, he only not, played a handful yeah, of snaps. Right. Because McDuffie showed up. But you know what linebacker did show up? Isaiah McDuffie looked good, and he seems to have passed Chris Barnes on the depth chart. He was shooting gaps. He was making plays. I thought he was he, good. he was making tackles. Yeah, he was he was he not looked. not whiffing, and he played I think a team high. I saw eleven special team snaps, I believe. So you know, put put his name in pen on the fifty three man roster. He is making the team. He is. I am good. I betting looked, my paycheck on it. He looked a lot better than Wilborn or Summers out there. Yep. And... Yep. Wilborn really struggled. I thought Wilborn was the worst of the of the linebacker group to, on Friday. Yeah, I think I'd have to agree with that. Yeah, and um, you know McDuffie, you know it seems like he's got he's got some burst to him. It's interesting to me these past Barnes because I've always been a bit of a Chris Barnes fan. I, I've always thought he's pretty good. Yeah, it, it's a little hard to tell if he's actually past Barnes at this point because maybe that they never had a plan to have Barnes play much. Many yeah, but but it's just weird because Barnes played. Um, let me see, I can pull it up. Linebacker Barnes played. Oh, he only played twelve snaps. Right. To so be fair, he, but he, he but played. he didn't play any with Walker. McDuffie played all of the ones with Walker. Hmm. It was all it was all McDuffie and and Quay out there, for the uh, initial. Yeah, I know, right? So no Barnes with Quay. Um, Which I think yeah. I think is very interesting. But McDuffie looks really good. And yeah. Corners. I thought actually, Nixon made some. I was good. You plays. took the words right out of my mouth. I thought Nixon looked good in the you know making making tackles and. And, um, and sure, he looked Charles. like a sure tackler, and yeah, SJC looks better than he did last year. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I think uh, Keandre Thomas looks like he has some good foot speed, and I think he had a couple tackles he on special a, teams too. I think I think he was the one who had a really nice pass breakup. Yep, he was trailing. Third yep. down, and he he gets his hand between the receivers' hands and 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 rips the ball out. Yep, and I I thought he looked pretty good. Um, I think he's wearing number forty three, which. Not the best, not the best safety, not the best corner number, but safety corner number. But you know, we'll we'll work on it. Yeah, and both both Gafford and Ento. Had Apologi- nice... Apologies to Troy Palomalu, who is the only he is the only one who can pull it off. No one else can pull it off. I'm yeah. sorry. And I think both Ento and Gafford had nice breaks on the ball to break up passes. Both of them could have potentially made the interception yeah. and did not. Yeah, I think I think Ento is an uphill battle right now, especially with being he hurt too. He was he was in there in the with the dregs of the roster in the fourth quarter. Yes, that's when he had a broke in front of the receiver, got both hands on the ball, but did not come down with it. Yeah. Um, well, I think that's kind of wrapping up everything that I had that I wanted to talk about in this game. Did you have any uh, other things you wanted to talk about before we let our good listeners uh, 
marinate on this one? <laughs> I think that's that's about it in terms of uh, kind of the big picture and a little the deep little deep dives that we did. Um, and I think we mentioned everything that I want to talk about today. So. Yeah. So, well, this has been the Father Son Packers podcast. We hope it has served as a nice little flavor for what we hope to bring to you guys going forward. We're trying to do maybe two a week uh, going forward is our goal. But, you know, we'll see. It's the very first episode. We'll see uh, how we do. Sorry for any technical difficulties. You know, we're still very new at this. But, you know, what we bring is we're very excited about the Packers. We're excited about bringing you Packers content. And uh, we hope that you liked this enough to return. And if you didn't, we hope you are willing to give us another try. Um, but anyway, uh, I think that's my sign off. Dad, you got any your, genero- your generosity is our gain. Exactly. We, and we would appreciate it. Um, but anyway, thank you again for listening. Um, thank you again to Blue 58 Podcast Scholarship. Yep. None of this would be possible out without John them. Mierdink. Shout out John Meerdink. Um, and yeah, uh, well, go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. <laughs>